had this picture while we were singing that that he uh, he bought us with his blood and he he wrote our name on his hand and I felt like I heard and kind of saw the Lord taking his hand and putting it on all of our foreheads that hand that's got your name on it and who you truly are and he said I'm I'm in in this room among you as one who bears shame um, and I believe that what shame says is that you're the way you are and you'll always be that way it's who you always will be and I believe that Jesus is here just to reveal to us personally and intimately in this moment that the name that he has spoken over you is actually the name that he's anointed you with put on your forehead and branded you with with who it's going to be it's the person you're going to be forever um so everybody just close your eyes across this room and i, I believe jesus just wants you to know and prove to you who that person is and what he said is true about you so just see that that he's actually put his hand on your forehead and branded you with a name that is not agreeing with shame right now. A specific word that he's spoken over you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, in this room right now. You're the one who knows us best. You're the one who knows us most. authors your identity and he says walk in it all the arguments all the things that are exalting themselves against what he knows to be true in your life how he created you and who he says you are that stuff's got to come down it's time to believe that you're confident it's time to believe that you're clean it's time to believe that you're not barren, that you're fruitful, that you're caring and you're loving and you're kind and you're patient. You can live your whole life denying the truth of who you truly are. When you look in the mirror, you'll actually see he branded you with the name of who you truly are. Don't avoid looking at the mirror. See who you truly are. You are steadfast. You are strong. You are immovable. 
I believe he's just saying that my people will not be plagued with shame. He will not have that. He didn't have a crown of thorns twisted around his head so that you would. It's time for us to be free. It's time for that chastisement to stop. Yeah, we thank you for what your blood has spoken over us, Jesus. May we always hear, and may we not harden our hearts to that truth. Thank you, Father. seen breakthrough in some areas, um, whether that be um, healing or breakthroughs in situations, yeah, that like we've been praying for for a while, but we haven't seen breakthrough, um, and I believe that we're going to see some breakthrough today. If that's you, just would you just raise your hand? If you've been praying for something and haven't seen breakthrough, um, keep your hand high, and then Um, keep your hand up if that's you if you haven't seen breakthrough in some areas I believe there's some physical healing that we haven't seen breakthroughs in we're going to press into it see somebody with your hand up, I want you to go grab them real quick. Find somebody. I want you guys to ask them just really quickly. I mean, if it's private, you can say it's private and the Holy Spirit can figure it out, I'm sure. But um, ask them really quickly what the problem is and then I want you to pray into it. If you feel any words or prophesy over them, um, I believe that the Lord is really going to move and speak. Okay? So here's your chance. Two different people have heard barren wombs. So if you're struggling to conceive, I believe now is the day. So.
You guys can greet somebody before you sit down, okay? Welcome, welcome to Jesus Church. Um, you guys had a good week. Anybody want to tell a story of something good that happened this week? Tyler, well, <laughs> it has to do a lot with Tyler um, sharing about how just like not to be asking for a blessing, but to be a blessing to other people. Um, and Courtney and I were out and about this week, and there was a, she was cutting through a parking lot, actually, <laughs> which I don't know if that's legal or not, but um, we, there was a girl there, and she asked us to roll down her window, and so we rolled down the window, and she had a cup in her hand from Arby's and she was like looking for food and something to drink. And normally I never have cash on me. And the day before a guy had given me $10 um, to buy ice cream and I resisted and didn't buy my ice cream. But um, so I had $10 on me and it was like two fives and I handed it to her and she like holds it up and she's like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? And I, you would have thought I gave her like $100 or something. And um, I said, no, you know, and so she, her eyes kind of lit up. And then, like, I just felt like I needed to say something more to her. And so I just said, hey, I said, you know, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And she's, like, kind of nodded. And I said, and you know what? I love you, too. And um, her eyes started to swell. And she's like, I love you, too. And then she said to Courtney, which I don't think I can say this in church, but she looked at Courtney, and she's like, your mom's a... <laughs> and Courtney's like, that's good, Mom. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, but, like, I just, in my heart, I thought $10, like, changed her whole entire day, and, like, and telling her that I loved her, you know? So, I don't know. So, thanks for setting me up. good to make Judy speak on the microphone. That <laughs> was uh, super good. Um, yeah, praise God. It's so crazy how something little like that can change so much. It's awesome. Just being obedient. Um, so we're going to have Ty share this today. Uh, our Tyler. Tyler. Mr. Tyler. He likes to be called Bishop, but <clears throat> so just call him Bishop Tyler Reed. Um, from now on, please. So, uh, next week we have our third birthday party, right? Yeah. Um, next week we have our third birthday party, so it'll be pretty sweet. We have a sign-up. Um, I'll throw it on Facebook. I haven't done that yet. But it'll be on Facebook, and um, if you haven't signed up for if you want to bring something, or, you, I mean, Judy has a sign-up, or just bring it. I mean, we're going to supply, like, we're going to grill and have hot dogs and burgers and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty sweet. We'll have some worship. We'll share some testimonies. And then um, we'll have like a party outside, hopefully. It doesn't rain. If it does, then we'll do something else. We'll party inside. We'll bring the bounce house in the sanctuary. That would be sweet. I think it could probably fit in here. Maybe not with the lights. Um. My friends, really quick, my friends from, I had a friend from Mount Hope, and he was running, he worked in the kids, you guys know Mount Hope Church, how, like it's a giant church they had, 
they were doing like kids camp and they brought the, they brought the bounce house in the sanctuary, pumped it up and then got up on the top of the thing and jumped off into the, <laughs> into the bounce house. I'm like, these are, this is why youth kids your youth uh, workers can't be left unsupervised. But he was just telling me about it. I'm like, that would be a blast. Um, anyways, sign up if you want to, or just bring something, but regardless, it's going to be a good time. We'll, we'll start right at 10, same time. We'll have our normal, like, service time start. We'll just do a little bit of worship, some testimonies, and then share a little bit of vision for the year. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll party. So it's going to be good. But uh, without further ado, Bishop. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Judy, that was amazing. I was going to kind of share that, but I'm thankful that you did. What we've been talking about for the last couple weeks is just simply believing. I think the first week we talked about believing the gospel, you know. Jesus says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. We talked about last week, we talked about the word and the importance of the word and the beauty of it. And if you don't know your word, then how are you supposed to change and transform into what it says, right? Jesus says, Jesus, John, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word dwelt among us. And in verse 13, it says, and the word became flesh, meaning if you have a fleshly body, you are supposed to be now the walking word because he put his spirit on the inside of you to now be the walking word. Now, I know we've talked about it. We talked about it a couple, like the past couple weeks. That seems like blasphemy. You're like, whoa, like how are we comparing ourselves to God? And yet Jesus was the son of God. And he says, and now I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And he says, he teaches his friends how to pray. When you pray, say, our father. So newsflash, when you say our father, what are you saying? I'm a son or a daughter, right? So he was the son of God, and he's saying, now call yourselves sons and daughters. So we see Jesus saying, hey, there's a shift in your mindsets that we must have when it comes to walking this thing out. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing that God encourages, hey, start thinking like this. Start having this mindset. If you guys struggle with this, go to Philippians 2, verse 5. It talks about having the same mindset that Christ had. Why? So that you can serve the world as Christ served the world, right? And it's just, it's, it's amazing what we have the opportunity to be called into. Amen. I want to I continue in this vein of just believing and I want to talk a little bit about walking in the Spirit today. Because um, I know that if I'm going to say that it's available, I have to show you scripturally how it's available. And I've done my best over the past two weeks to do that. But I want to hit it hard again today. Because walking in the Spirit, we would all say Jesus was walking in the Spirit, right? He was in a body. He has a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. But he had a spirit, a completely changed and transformed heart. And it called him to... or gave him the opportunity to walk as we all were called to walk before the fall, right? Go to Mark 1. Gannon, can you throw that, that lyric up for me real quick, buddy? I want to talk about this really quick. This is, oh my gosh, this was so good. Stacy, was it you that was singing it? Oh my gosh, I loved it. 
It says, I am your beloved, one the Father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. Again, and you can leave that up for just a second. This, this cannot be something that we just sing and quote, but it has to be something that we believe in our hearts. That I am God's beloved. So anytime a thought comes that's contrary to being God's beloved, well, what kind of day did you have yesterday? I mean, how much did you really read your Bible? How strong were you yesterday and and not talking to people in a negative tone? Man, how much did you even think about God yesterday? Those are contrary thoughts to being God's beloved. All of us who are married would know, if I roll over to my wife and I'm just like, man, you look terrible today. And I talk about all the things that she did yesterday that didn't fulfill me or didn't satisfy me, didn't make me feel good. None of you would call that a good marriage. But oftentimes we wake up in the morning and feel like God's just like, man, Tyler, what, what didn't you do yesterday? How many thoughts did you not take captive and, and place my word above them? How many attitudes did you get? How many dishes did you not wash because they're not your responsibility? You didn't dirty those dishes, so why? I, I, I love my, my desire, guys, in my entire life, if you ever get to sit down and talk to me, my desire is this. I want to make God as practical and simple as possible. And I feel like at times in the church, we, I'm not, say, I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm saying we have made God more spiritual than practical. And that's why Jesus is like, I'm the word made flesh. I, I come to show you what the word is actually saying. And it's, it's the ability to walk out a life that's beautiful, that's wonderful, that's, that's holy, that's love, that's radical love, it's reckless love. It's, it doesn't really make sense, but like this person absolutely loves me. That's the kind of life that God's like, if you can renew your mind to this, if you can Trust my word. Meditate on it. Talk to me about it. Look at me. I, I will change and transform you into the very word that I've written about or that, that I've had men write. And in the midst of that, we start to look like something different. But it's taking these moments and going, I am your beloved, and closing my eyes and just going, God, I'm not even going to sing the rest of the lyrics. This phrase itself is difficult for me enough. But I'm your beloved. I know that beloved simply means I'm your loved one. I'm the one in which you love. Because, guys, if we don't do that, the enemy's not going to be like, well, you know, maybe we'll give him a break. Maybe we'll just take a step back. Maybe, maybe we won't whisper as many lies into his ear today. He's not, he's not doing that. He's trying to stop the word. He doesn't care about you. He's not worried about you. He's worried about the word inside of you coming out and not only coming out of your mouth, but also being lived in your very life. And so what he does is he floods you 
with a bunch of lies so that you can't think about the word, so that you can't, so that you're not choosing, I shouldn't say can't, you're not choosing to meditate on what the word actually says about you. So if I'm walking around and I'm like, man, I'm God's beloved, and then I hear, yeah, but you kind of you been a little bit annoying, you know, with your wife. And, and I just start thinking about how I've been annoying and how I, I haven't lived up to what God's called me to. And, and I just start thinking on these things. We all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to walk out my life in this place of, well, I guess I'm just annoying and I guess I'm just a burden and I guess I'm, I'm just a, a problem to people. And, I, and you're just meditating on the things that the enemy's like, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. And yet you have God saying, hey, you're my beloved. And we have a choice now. I'm either going to choose this side of what the enemy says or I'm going to choose what God says. And he's saying, watch the fruit that bears from what I say. In Mark 1, you know, again, and you just leave that up there and you let people just think about it, all right? Is that okay, Dylan? I know you have the Jesus Church graphic. But okay, praise God. Mark 1, 14. This is one of my favorite verses. This is beautiful. It's actually verse 15, but I got to start at 14. Mark 1, 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, this was Jesus's main point and topic. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The reason I, I felt like I was supposed to start at this verse is, guys, we need to repent. But I feel like our definition of repent is a little bit off. When I say repent, I feel like some people are like, oh, okay, you want me to stop sinning, Tyler. You want me to stop doing all the bad things that I've been doing and start doing the good things that God's called me to do. And that word repent has, has changed and transformed. It is about change and transforming and not, not sinning, but it doesn't start there. It starts with changing your mind. It starts with thinking different. The definition of repent simply means to think different, to enable you to walk differently. I think a certain way, therefore I go in that direction. I'm a, I'm a big football fan. I'm not going to tell you guys who I like because I don't want persecution, but I'll just say the Lions. But when my football team scores a touchdown and they're winning, I, I ha what's that? <laughs> it's a lot closer than when the last time the Lions were doing it, all right? Dang, I just, I just lost some people. I'm so sorry. I'm, a, I'm actually a Lions fan. I, I like them. But when my football team scores and wins, I am prone to cheer. I am prone to, 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 to celebrate, right? So when, when we look at the word repentance and it says to think differently, that means the way I see it is how I'm going to respond. So, but it starts with the way that I see it. So if I think repentance means stop sinning, all I'm going to do is see myself as a sinner, and then I can't stop sinning because all I do is see myself as a sinner and see myself as a sinner. That's why the word repentance, the definition, starts with thinking differently. And how does he want you to think? Right here. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a really good clue. It's the next line. He says, and believe the gospel. The definition of the word gospel, does anybody know it? Good news. So repent and believe good news. News that's almost too good to be true news. News that's amazing. News that calls you completely washed, holy, blameless, without ever doing anything about it other than having faith in what it is that Jesus accomplished. So what he's saying here is he's saying, think differently and believe good news. Why is he saying that? Because we've thought bad news for a really, really long time. When I wake up in the morning, bad news is sometimes right there laying right next to me, and I'm not talking about Cassidy. But we all know what I'm talking about. We all wake up, the first thing you hear is who you're not. And you have to choose in that moment to go, man, Father, I thank you (laughs) that on one side of the bed, I'm hearing who I'm not, but on the other side of the bed, you're laying right there and you're saying, wow, you look so good today. I'm so glad you're awake to be a blessing. If you choose that you want to be a blessing, I will make you a blessing in this world. And we realize, wow, like, I've grown up believing I was just meant to stop sinning and God's actually saying, hey, I'm, I'm asking you to think differently, to realize that, that the kingdom of God is actually saying amazing things about you. It's actually declaring you as a child of God. It's declaring you holy. A lot of us know the story of the prodigal son. I'm gonna just give you a quick snippet. It's a story about a dad that has two boys, one boy, Ends up saying, I want all my inheritance. He ends up taking his inheritance, running off into sin, and then coming back with this big old list of saying, I'm about, to, I'm about to say this to my dad, that to my dad, this to my dad, to repent for all the things that it is that I've done. And right before he can even start his list, his father stops him and says, come on in, you're welcomed in. That's the goodness of our God. But yet we are on a consistent track of going down, well, God must not be happy with me and God must not be excited about the person I'm becoming and he must be frustrated because I, I, I meant to read a chapter yesterday and I just had no time and yet, but if I would have made time, then, then I guess God would have been more satisfied with me. And we, we, we run this race consistently of how broken we actually are when God's like, hey, if you can take those thoughts and bring them to this place of, hold on, what does the word of God say about me? And you take the word and you say, I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. I I am his son. That means that I'm an heir with him, that we are in this together, that I'm his bride. And and, and as a bride and a groom, they they just have matrimony. They have amazing relationship. They're growing and maturing. And me placing my mind on those things far outweighs, the Bible says, placing your mind on, on where you're not and who you haven't become and what you haven't done. It's amazing news, guys. Absolutely amazing news that I can think differently. I talked about this last week. I didn't know that you could think differently in church. I thought church was a place that gets you to stop doing all the bad things that you were doing. Church was meant to be a place where people planted seeds into your heart and said, wow, that's, that's really, really good news. I, just, I, I needed to hear somebody say that. I needed to hear somebody say that I could live that way, that I could be that man or that woman. And now I know, now I know it's true because the word that I've chosen to lean my heart on is saying it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to that. And I might hear 15, 20, 30 minutes of lies 
about this one truth that it is that I'm believing, like I'm God's beloved, and yet I need to wait, I need to recognize those and go, Father, I thank you that I am your beloved. I thank you that I didn't do anything to get into this relationship. Therefore, I can't do anything to 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 to, to keep this relationship in, in, in right standing with you. Like you're always gonna see me in this light. Help me see myself in that very light as well. And that's how we do it, by staying in the word, by staying consistent with what it is that he says and just appreciating him and saying, God, thank you that you call me your beloved even though I've missed it, messed up a hundred times today. Now we don't have to live there because the more we renew our mind, the more we start to walk beautifully in the world. And we've been talking about that past couple weeks, but it's good news, amen? Go to Luke. Go to Matthew 12. I want to show us scripturally that Jesus is teaching us that it's the way that we think that encourages us to walk out the way that we are. It's the way that you think that makes you walk the way that you do. Matthew 12, verse 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Real quick. I think we've, I think we've used verses like this for us to have the right to tell ourselves who we believe is saved and not saved. And we've actually condemned people because your fruit doesn't reveal good enough to be a Christian, therefore that person's not really saved. And I want to tell you guys from the bottom of my heart, and the reason I'm telling you guys this is because I've gone down that road, it's very, very, very lonely. It's scary to go down that road. And I don't want you to be this big hoorah of like, I'm just going to go down the scary alleys. But if Jesus looked at man after the flesh and said, this is all that it is that you produce, we would all be, I don't want to use the word, but we would all be, we'd all be messed up. You guys, Jesus is not encouraging us here to sit there and look at people's lives and just say, saved, not saved, saved, not saved. Now, there is portions in, in it's in Matthew, I don't want to say it's Matthew 6 or Matthew 7, where he talks about beware of false prophets, realizing that, hey, like, there are people that are going to bear fruit, but he's talking about character. He's talking about, hey, they're going to have a character that preaches one thing and yet lives out another thing. But it's not to give you the right to condemn and, 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 and encourage other people. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, Jared, that uh, I don't think Rob's saved. That's not what the Bible is encouraging you to do. You can, you can see that fruit. You can see what's on the tree. Recognize it. And I would encourage you, walk up to that brother and say, hey, man, I just want to share something with you. I just see, 
like, you know, you're preaching one thing and yet your character, your life, the life that it is that you're living is, is going in a completely different direction. And I just, I want to say, one, I'm praying for you, but two, like, can I, can I help you with anything? Is there anything, like, you feel like you're not seeing? And what we don't want to do is we don't want to take verses like this and teach ourselves that God's saying judge everybody, condemn everybody, Because that's the way that we, if we view people that way, we're going to view ourselves that way. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to fall. You're going to make a mistake. And then you're going to look at yourself that way and go, well, how saved can I actually be if I've made a mistake and I've failed and I've fallen and yet your heart's broken and crying and you're on the floor weeping and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You're like, yep, but you still did that. So I guess that's the fruit, right? That's crazy to think. We know that Jesus doesn't see it that way. So we don't want to take verses like this and just be like, well, yeah, I'm just supposed to sit there and, and, and condemn everybody's fruit. We're supposed to look at people and go, man, you're created for so much more that, than that. We're supposed to see them through a lens of righteousness. What does that mean? It means seeing people not for where it is that they've been, but where it is that Jesus has been and seeing past that and saying, man, you're called to so much more of that. As a father to my son, I don't want to sit there and tell him who he's not and all the negative things that it is that he's done and all the shame that it is that he's causing his family for living a certain way. I want to call him higher and say, man, this is actually who you are. I see, I, I see what it is that you did, but I, I can see past that and I see the beauty of what it is that God is not only doing in your life, has done in your life, and is going to continue to do in your life. I want to see my son beyond all of his mistakes and his mess-ups and his failures because Jesus saw me in that way. And yet some of us as parents feel like, well, I've already kind of talked to my kids in that manner. I've corrected them as opposed to call them higher. I've tried to get them to stop doing certain things by just condemning them and making them feel bad. I just want to say, like, you're not, you're not accused of what you don't understand. So to see that and go, wow, like, I am called to call my children and just simply say, hey, you're better than that. I see who you are. You're not shaming our name. Jesus is our amazing example. And he's calling us to look all like him. We can't see people simply in the light of the flesh and say, well, that's just who you are. We have to see people beyond that, really see them in the spirit, see them the way that Jesus sees them. It says, broad of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good measure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account on that day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I hope you guys understand the point that I'm coming at from this. Is what he's saying here is he's saying, if I make the tree good, then good fruit will bear. If I make the tree bad, bad fruit will bear. So what does that mean? So throughout my day, I have to see myself as a good tree. I know that's really plain and really simple, but it's profound because if we went into the minds of all of us, we might be 
shocked at some of the stuff we think about ourselves. And Jesus is saying, if you renew your mind, like we talked about last week, if you renew your mind to what my word says, you will meditate on the good things that it is that I have to say about you, and now you will be the light of the world. You will walk into situations where people see stuff one way, and you see stuff a completely different way, and you will see amazing results, and you'll have people asking you questions about how it is that you see it that way. How is it that you live the way that you do? How is it that you love the way that you love? You serve the way that you serve. But it's up to us to take a step back and go, man, I really have to believe what it is that God's saying about me. I have to believe that I'm patient. I have to believe that about myself. I heard an amazing story about a friend. I won't, I won't call him out, but a friend. And, and him and another friend went to an airport and they were, um, obviously, when it comes to airports, they have moments of where patience is really, really tried, right? And some of us absolutely hate the airport, but I just look at it as a, a really great opportunity to respond like Jesus responded. And so they go to the airport, and apparently they're having some issues either with TSA or at the, at the, the front gate or whatever. And it's getting delayed, and it's getting delayed, and, and time is going by, and time is going by. And my friends end up approaching the front gate, and the lady that's talking to them is upset. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, this is, I know this is an issue for everybody, and I, I've already had this many people, and I'm about to have this line of people. And my friend stops them and goes, hey, I just want to let you know I'm the most patient person you're ever going to meet in your life. I'm the most patient person you're ever going to meet in your life. It's okay. Everything's fine. Life's going to go on. I'm still breathing. I, <laughs> this is amazing. It, it's, it's okay. My life isn't as important to make your day worse because you're making my day tough. Guys, you're allowed to see yourself as the most patient person on the earth. I would say, because of what this scripture is saying, if you don't see yourself as patient, you won't live patiently. If I see myself as impatient, I just don't, I just don't have any patience for this, man. Like, they just, how long are they going to take? Like, they, they should have been here an hour ago, and yet we've been sitting here doing absolutely nothing. You're seeing yourself as impatient in that moment, and you're like, the fruit's going to fruit's gonna bear. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But if I see myself as patient and I'm waiting, I'm just like, Father, I thank you that this is a great opportunity to be tested in who it is that you've turned me to be, who it is that you've changed my heart into being. So praise God, I'm going to worship and I'm going to enjoy you. And if, if these people don't end up coming for another hour, it's just another hour I get to praise you. It's all about perspective, guys. That's the reason we come to church. For the most part, if, if, if you're... If you're not saved, I mean, I encourage you to get saved. But if you are saved, you, you come for a perspective change. That's why I don't need to apologize by being kind of too straightforward because the Bible says the word's cut in the heart like a sword. I'm not the one cutting your heart. I, I, I need to check my heart and make sure I'm not doing it from an ill place. But if I'm just sharing what it is that the word says and the word cuts you, man, let it bleed. Oh, let it hurt and say, God, I never want to live that way again. 
I never want to see that, that from that lens again. I want to realize, wow, I'm called to be the most patient man on the face of the earth. So God, I, I declare, I am patient. It may hurt because I've realized that I've been impatient and therefore I've been believing I'm impatient, but I'm going to repent. I'm going to believe good news. Mark 1.15, I'm going to repent and believe good news and I'm going to say, wow, I'm the most patient person on earth. You watch your life change. This is the, the man, this is the amazing gospel that I did not know. This is the amazing part about the gospel that I did not know. I thought I was saved so I didn't go to hell. And I got saved like 50 times. I just did the altar call and did the altar, because I was afraid. But I was afraid of, of, of somebody that said, hey, it's good news. Like, you're, you're good. Until I started to take this and go, man, what is this thing actually saying to me? What is this? And I need to let this shape my heart. I need to let this shape my feet. And the more and more and more and more that we do that, the more you start to look like you were always meant to look. And you get to live a life that leaves a legacy. I'm not talking about a legacy of sports hall of fames or great president candidates or great wars that we won. I'm talking about the, the, the world that you get to change right next to you. I remember the Lord spoke that to me. He said, I said, Lord, I feel like I'm called to change the world. You called us into the whole world. I'm called to change the world. He said, Tyler, there's 8 billion worlds in, in your world. Jared has a world. Nate has a world. Tim has a world. It's not a weird theology. What I'm trying to say is this. It's somebody's life. And that's the, the, the way that they view the world. Now go change it. Okay, now I'm going to sow into Jared. I'm going to sow into Jared. I'm going to sow into Jared. Oh, there's one. Dang, I changed the world, right? You guys see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm putting down? Picking up what I'm putting down? You got to view people as the most important thing. I, I love what, what Jared says. He says, the only reason that you're on this earth now after you gave your life to Jesus is for people. That's convicting. That's, that's super convicting. I'm here for people. We're not here for people to serve us, make our life better, make things go smoother. I'm here to serve. Just like we talked about when, two weeks ago when I, I lined everybody up and Jesus washes their feet. You're called to wash the world's feet in love. But the only way that you're going to do that is believing that you are a good tree. Believing the good things that God has to say about you. Taking a truth, just taking one truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Taking that truth, and every time the enemy tries to come at you, you say, Father, I thank you that I'm the righteousness in God in Christ Jesus. And what you want to do is you don't want to just take that verse and just quote it and quote it and quote it, but you want, to, you, want to, you want to pick it apart and say, man, I am the righteousness. What does righteousness mean? I'm in right standing with God. Wow, God, like you see me no different than you saw Jesus. He, he paid for my sins. He paid the penalty for me. So I guess I'm clean. I guess I'm washed. I guess I'm holy. And I haven't even gotten to in Christ Jesus. I've just gotten into the righteousness part. You just take these things apart and you just start to meditate on them enjoy them 
Walk and live in them. Amen? Go to Colossians 3. Keep it on the down low, all right? You're good, buddy. I know you love me. <laughs> I know you do. Should have made everybody look at Gannon's fit, you know? Why well, I did that, just make sure everybody's looking at Gannon's outfit. Where's Gannon? Oh, yeah. Gannon's got a great outfit on. If you guys want to give him a compliment, he looked good. He's got a nice clean haircut and everything. Colossians 3, verse 1, right? We're talking about renewing our minds. We're talking about thinking differently. If then you were, if then, did I say Colossians 3, verse 1? Okay. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Raised with Christ, you've, ex- you've received Jesus in your heart. You've accepted the good news of the gospel that I'm called to deny myself, pick up my cross, follow him. He died, so I died. He rose, so I rose. We're going to read it in Romans 8 here in a second. Just real quick, just so you know, when you accepted the gospel, you said, I'll accept the picture that you painted. Dead on the cross, I jump on the cross with Jesus, and now he rose from the dead. Now I'm called to be risen from the dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Man, there's so many things I want to turn down. Okay, so verse 1 of chapter 3. If then... You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. I'm going to keep going. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Okay, real quick, he's talking about setting your mind on these things. So he's saying, hey, stop setting your mind on these things. Stop setting your mind on fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, He's saying, hey, you can stop putting your mind on those things. Those are no longer who you are. That man was dead. That's why we put people in water for water baptism. To give you a beautiful illustration of what happened. You died, and now you're risen, right? So now, any time that it is that you make a mistake, oh, that, that guy's dead in the water. I'm alive unto God. I'm a righteous man. I'm beautiful. I'm holy. This is good news. Repent. Stop thinking that you're such a terrible, terrible person. He lives on the inside of you. See yourself the way he sees you, and you will walk. It says in verse 6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, 
because it's not who you are. Wrath, because it's not who you are. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, because you're not a liar. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on. This is beautiful, guys. This is the point I'm trying to hit. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. According to the image of him, Jesus, who created him, man. So what is he saying? Place your mind on heavenly things. Who's sitting in heaven? Christ. So we can look throughout all the gospels and see Jesus doing something and saying, man, that's who I am. I might not see it in my life today, but I'm sure going to start declaring that's who I am. And I'm going to say, man, I am, I am the man that walks up to the sick and lays hands on them and prays for them and encourages them and loves them. I am the one who has seen the neglected, and I'm going to pursue the neglected. I'm going to pursue the kid at school that nobody's hanging out with, that nobody's, everybody's too cool to even have a conversation with them. And I'm going to, I'm going to pursue them. I'm going, to, I'm going to go after the lost. I'm going to go after the ones who don't see themselves clearly. I'm going to talk to the person at work who is annoying to everybody. And I'm going to do my best to plant a seed into their heart. Why? Because that's who I am. So now, when I start thinking, I am your beloved, I start walking as beloved. What does beloved look like? It looks like Jesus. It looks like love in every given situation. Just like we talked about, it looks like love at the grocery store when the line's not moving fast enough. I think I heard this story one time. I might, I might watch this. Mm-hmm. But I heard a story one time about a guy that went to, I just know all these guys. Nobody. I heard a story one time about a guy that was in a grocery store line, and he's in a long line, and this person's having a really hard time checking. I don't know if they were new. Oh, no, no, no. They're going through something. Wow. They're going through something in their mind. And they're checking groceries, and they're, I'm sure they're crying. They're, they're distraught. They're having a hard time. And there are five people back. It's the only line. I mean, uh, I love how much stuff we notice when life just isn't going great. But when life is flowing, we're just, we have to be thankful in those moments, guys. We have to learn to turn our heart to saying, God, this isn't that big of a deal. It's a great opportunity to shine. It's a great opportunity to show who we are in the midst of these situations. So they get in line and um, they finally get to the checker. And they're like, hi, sweetheart, how are you? Like, I'm just, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that, like, I've just been, I've been so slow. I'm not going to lie, like, I think I'm going to mess it up. Is it a mom? My mom, yeah. My mom died today. And yet, we... <laughs> Your story means absolutely nothing to me until I can actually hear it come out of your mouth. We cannot live that way, guys. If we have to see the world as, I wonder if their mom died because that's the way that they're acting. They're acting out of line and they're being slow or they're being an inconvenience to me. I think I need to shift my perspective and say, I'm wondering what's going on in their life. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what things aren't falling into place for them and they're struggling with and 
if we just shifted our thinking in that sense, I wonder how many people we would actually love instead of despise and mock and shame and talk bad about. Let it convict you. Be like, man, I really need to see people beyond that. So, so he's like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, I'm not doing too good. My mom just died and I'm having a really, a really tough time and I'm sorry I'm struggling with your groceries. And he leans over. He takes a little bit of his time just simply to encourage her. And she's weeping, crying. Oh my gosh, you just changed my entire day. I see something a little bit differently now than I did. It's kind of the gist of the story. You guys, as believers, we have the freedom and the gift to see beyond the situation in front of us and look farther and go, wow, is this, is this really something to meditate on? Is this really, is your inconvenience in me really something that I should hold over you when Jesus didn't hold any of your inconvenience towards you? And hang it over in your head and be like, been waiting. Shoot, been waiting for years. You sat in line at the airport for an hour. I waited 21 years for you, Tyler. 21 years. I want to live with that perspective. And saying, wow, God waited so long for me. And he put his spirit on the inside of me for me to live in that way towards others as well. What a, what a party I'm down to be a part of. But it takes us seeing that, believing it, and going, yes, that's what I want. No longer accepting the gospel that's just here to serve me. Just like Judy said, actually, I'm not here for God to bless me. I'm, I'm here to be the blessing. And God cannot help but fill that cup all the time. And fill that cup. And fill that cup. And fill that cup. He's saying, man, you want to give? Let me fill your cup too. And you stop even realizing that your cup's being so overflown with blessings. You, you, you just have just so many testimonies of God's goodness and your eyes aren't even on your testimonies. You're just like, I just love people and I'm, I'm here to serve people. I'm here to help people. I'm here to connect. I'm telling you, it's way better to give than to receive. If you just receive your whole life, you're probably angry. You're probably mad and frustrated. Because either you haven't been given enough, which I promise you, you're never actually going to ever, ever get enough. Jesus is the only thing that you accept that will make you feel satisfied, I promise. But the blessings that God brings to you, they're, they're cool, they're exciting. But I, we don't live from them. We're not just like, well, God, waiting. We're like, no, 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 you, you already put yourself on the inside of me. That's enough. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, but what about my rent? I'm good with God living on the inside of me. I'd rather shine, oh my gosh, I'd rather shine when my rent's not paid than live dark until it actually does get paid. Then the next day I just walk into work and I just got my shoulders up and I'm like, my rent's paid until tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, my gas tank's now, you know, there's not much gas in my tank. Guys, we have to shift our perspective and go, is that really the point of all this? Or is the point really to change my perspective and go, man, I see what Jesus did. He saw that I was worth dying for. So now I'm going to make him live, worth living for. And I'm going to pursue that for the rest of my life. And I'm going to pursue him and be okay with the outcome. Guys, the people that wrote this New Testament 
had moments of, I could put my focus on this, but I choose to keep my focus on Jesus. And they have amazing testimonies that we still read about, admire, and thank them for. And I think when we get to heaven, we'll thank them for living the lives that they did because they never took their eyes off Jesus. And that's what we can do. Never taking our eyes off Jesus. Go to Romans 8. Let's finish. Is this making sense? Does anybody have any questions? I'm not going to do this fast, but just enjoy this, okay? Romans 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now, not tomorrow, not when I straighten up, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? It's not saying if you walk in the flesh, you're now condemned. You walking in the flesh makes you condemn yourself. He's talking about renewing our minds. Jesus isn't condemning us, but we will happily condemn ourselves when we walk in our flesh. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. Guys, he's about to explain. We've tried to. The law was teaching you on a consistent basis. Hey, be patient with your wife. And when you weren't patient with your wife, and you, you put on impatience, the law was sitting there saying, you were impatient, you were impatient, you were impatient. That, that's all the law could do, is just show you that you needed help. And so we have to, we have to look at this and go, okay, the law is, even, even though it's good, like it's, it's, it seems like it's just showing me what I, what I can't do. And so we have to, we have to take this and go, okay, what, what's, actually, what's actually God trying to say? He says, Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit, right? That we would set our, man, I was about to, I was about to read it. But that we would set our minds on the things of the spirit and we wouldn't walk in the flesh, right? So now we know, okay, repentance isn't me trying to get my life in order. Repentance is, oh, I got to think differently. And thinking differently means putting my mind on the things of the Spirit, who Jesus was, and me constantly renewing my mind to that and saying, man, you were beautiful, I'm beautiful. You were holy, I'm holy. You were wonderful in situations, man, I'm going to be wonderful in situations just like Judy was. I thank you for Judy and her beautiful example of being a blessing in the midst of any given situation. And, and that's, that can be written all over our lives, okay? For those who live, check this out, guys. For those who live according to the flesh, the things that we haven't done or have done, the areas that we've missed it and messed up, the things that we would say put Jesus on the cross, okay? 
For those who live according to the flesh, this is what they do. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But check this out. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Just like we said, good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. If I believe I'm a good tree, I'm going to bear good fruit. If I believe I'm a bad tree, I'm going to bear bad fruit. He's saying if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will walk in the Spirit. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to walk in the flesh. I love this. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. We got a lot of, never mind. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Check this out, verse 9. It's beautiful. But you, all of you, if you've accepted Jesus, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. It's beautiful. I have God living on the inside of me, therefore I have the open door and the right to see myself after the Spirit. And now I start to walk in the Spirit. I start to look as the Spirit looks. You guys know that prayer that Jesus asked his disciples to pray? It's beautiful. He says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how heaven comes to earth, is that we would place our mind on the things of the spirit and not the things of the flesh. We would place our minds on the things that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf and not just simply think about all the things in the world that just aren't going great. She got me last time too, wow. Guys, this is beautiful news, this is amazing that I can think differently, that I can view life differently, that I don't have to walk thinking the way everybody else thinks. We struggle with a lot of things, and I feel like I don't even need to name them. But we look at outside, and we just can't stop thinking about how corrupt the world is. When Jesus is like, you do yourself no good thinking on the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh are no good. They're death. The things of the Spirit, setting our mind on things above, those are good things. And you will reveal heaven to the world. You will fulfill Jesus' prayer when he said on earth as it is in heaven, when you set your mind on the things above, when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, and you stop living in the flesh. Does this make sense? I hope it does. I really hope that you guys leave and you're just like, man, that's not too difficult. Tyler's not asking me to sign up for a church thing that they need to serve at. Tyler's not asking for money. Tyler's saying, hey, would you just choose to see yourself a little bit differently today? 
leave these doors and be like, man, God, I am your beloved. If you need to snap this shot on your phone and look at it all the time and just be reminded, God, I'm your beloved. The one the Father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. And that's going to produce thanksgiving in your life because you know that you didn't accomplish any of that. Jesus accomplished that on all of our behalf. And when you live thankful, Paul says you abound in life. When you live thankful. You know why thankfulness is so amazing? Because you didn't have much to do with it. You didn't have much to do with it. Thanksgiving is just saying thank you. Like when a parent gives a gift to a child. Mama and daddy really are just like, they want to teach their kids, hey, just be thankful for that. You didn't work really hard. You weren't like good child for six months. And so because you've been a good boy, like now you're going to get this. We, we as parents are just like, I just, I love you. And you having that thankful heart just puts you in this place of like, my eyes are off of me, and that's good news. Amen? Amen. Um, I've had a really awesome three weeks getting to serve you guys. Um, I hope you guys come to the party. I love you. I'm going to have Dylan close us, but uh, appreciate you guys. Yeah, let me pray for us, all right? Father, we just thank you that Hmm. the revelation of what we've been given in Christ is going to come alive in our hearts. Father, that the striving ceases when we're pursuing you because we know that you were your sons and daughters and that you've placed us, you have chosen to place us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and that we get to seek the things that you gave us freely by grace and we get to see them bear fruit in our lives. Father, we just thank you that the revelation in our hearts is going to become alive, that we're good trees and that we'll bear good fruit, that trees don't have to strive to bear the fruit of the nature that it's created into. And Father, we just thank you that that's going to become alive and real in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys have an awesome week. Like I said, next week, if you want to come and party, come and party. Um, if you don't, if anyone wants to sign up for food, you don't have Facebook or whatever, Judy, will you raise your hand? Judy, just come talk to her and she'll give you uh, an idea of what you can bring, but you guys are dismissed.